Hello and welcome to Numbers on the Boards. My name is Bobby Krell. I'm from the Mavs. We're getting right down to business today because there's a lot to talk about. We're rolling up the sleeves. Joining me, he's rolling up his hair too, the great Jeff Skin Wade. How the heck are you? Hey everybody, just trying to get my hair to be as big and full of body as I need it to be as I slowly morph into Dana Carvey. You're like Kevin McAllister when he wakes up on Christmas morning in Home Alone. Just... <laughs> yeah, that, I, that's probably a better reference for the kids. Yeah, um, yeah man, uh, I thought we were going to be 6-0, Bobby. What the hell happened? Why, why did you get us off to a bad start? I, it's all my fault. I'll take responsibility. We're going to try and figure it out, Skin. But the, the thing about this season, so uh, the Mavs had just lost to the Bulls last night, 118-108 or 116-108. I forget what the final score was, but um, – they play again in like five hours against James Harden. So <laughs> there's no rest for the weary this season in the NBA. You got to just keep the ball rolling basically, but uh, we're going to try and figure out what's going on. So let's, let's fix the Mavs skin. You and me. Okay. Through six games season is still young. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck it's January 4th. It only started like 10 days ago or something. Uh, what is going on? Aside from the obvious, Chris Hubs Porzingis is out. No Luca last night. Obviously, you're playing shorthanded, but the Bulls are shorthanded too. For the most, I mean, but KP hasn't played all year. That's it is what it is. Right. What is going on with this team? You know, um, I, I I hate to throw excuses out there. I don't want to. Uh, I mean, maybe there are reasons, but every you know, whenever you start talking about this stuff, everybody's got to play by the same rules, right? Same parameters. Um, it was bad for the league to start when they did they should have waited until i know there's a lot of talk about mlk day and they they should have waited and there's some teams that have been more impacted by that than others because it's easy to go turn around and go well what are you talking about man the suns are five and two uh and i'm like well okay that's a great point but uh you know the sun's had a great bubble and a lot of energy and some of these teams that are off to better starts than people have seen are teams that didn't even play in the bubble. Right. Like I, have you watched Atlanta play yet? Uh, I've seen their scores and it's impressive. It's impressive I, actually, I, it's funny because I'm, ta- I'm giving them praise. I watched them in a loss to Cleveland the other night where Trey was not very good at all, but Trey's been incredible, but Atlanta was one of those teams. Remember they were lobbying, to try to get some action while they had been sitting around since March. Um, I think we saw that Charlotte team that didn't get to have any bubble fun. They came in and they were playing well and moving the ball and playing with great pace and different stuff. Um, The Chicago team that we saw last night, uh, you know, to me looks better than what I thought they were going to be. So Devin Harrison, who's doing some Mavs pre and post this year, kind of pointed out, Hey, some of the – oh, look at the Knicks, for example. I mean, they're not like they're great, but they're already better than I thought they were going to be. So there is some weirdness here. Uh, the Mavericks are in that lot with teams like Brooklyn, for example, uh, that that look like very uneven. Uh, you know, and Miami, you too, who the Mavs just played the other day. Miami's another team. Um, and, you know, you can sit there and go, well, you know, Miami played in the finals and they had the quick turnaround, but then the Lakers are over here being the Lakers. So, you know, these are all, um, they're all reasons. They sound like excuses. Uh, There are no excuses. The Mavs have to adapt faster. 
I think that um, they're not doing, they're not playing with, Devin keeps using the word details on our pre and post game show. And there is something to that. Uh, I think that they just look like they're not dialed in yet. And there, there is no excuse. I mean, it's frustrating. They're, they kind of look plotting at times and, uh, you know, disjointed, but they're not things that I worry about for the overall big picture here, because I do think that, if Porzingis had been ready to go from the jump, I think our record is different despite uh, being disjointed at times. You know, excellence can get you through certain things when you're playing uneven. And right now they're down a very important part of their team and it's showing at the worst possible times. Yeah, I mean, the details really show up on the glass. So if you sort the Mavs' defensive rebound percentage by game this season – you're also sorting their point differential by game this season. Their best rebounding game was their win against the Clippers. Their worst rebounding game was their loss to the Lakers. And then every game in between corresponds to the final score. And that's rare, but I feel like that's a pretty good sort of symbol of the season. But, um, you know, defensively, they're playing small, which means you got to box out. I mean, it's, it's yeah. all these just, you know, you just got to do a little more uh, in order to uh, perform with some of the bigger teams. And I think, too, that ever since that Lakers game, with the Clippers game accepted, because the Clippers were not interested in playing that day, but it seems like every other team that they've played since then has maybe sent more guys to the glass than they normally would, right? Like, there were times last night the Bulls were sending, like, three or four guys to the glass, which is really – nobody does that ever. Right. I mean, that will get you killed, but – it's like whenever the Raptors pressed the Mavs last season in that 30-point comeback win for the next two weeks or a month or so, every team was pressing the Mavs mm -hmm. because you see it, you know, you see it work against them one time and you're going to do it until they can figure it out. And so uh, it's kind of like I, I feel like we're all piling on this one issue. But offensively, I want to go back to that Clippers game, uh, the pregame show on Fox Sports Southwest with you and Dana and Jenny Busick was on that day with you. And uh, she was kind of explaining how, like, the, the flow, like, the offense that the Mavs play, it's all but kind of, like, improv, creativity, field, sort of, like, you're, you know, they don't really run plays. And even the Mavs plays that they run, like, two side is a play they run all the time where someone takes it. It's like a double, like, an Iverson cut from one side to the other. But then, like, there's, like, 35 different things that could happen out of that one little cut. It's all about just reading and reacting and stuff. And before this um, – before we hit record, we were talking about music. And I was thinking about it this morning, like, I don't know why a five chord sounds good when it resolves to a one chord, but like whenever you hear it, you just want, you just like feel it. You just like, the one just sounds right. It's like a, ah, you know, like it just sounds good. Feels good when you go from five to a one. And I don't think the Mavs yet, some new faces, missing some key guys. I don't think they've like figured out how to play the one chord you know what I mean they're just yeah. sort of like they're just kind of they're like there you know they get some good shots every now and then but I mean normally even even when the Mavs had a poor record you know for for the few years a couple years ago you would watch a game in the middle of the season and they would get good shots 90% of their possessions 95% of their possessions that's not really the case this year there are a lot of wayward possessions a lot of a lot of time where they're like there's four seconds on the shot clock and everyone's looking at each other. Like, what, what did we just do? Like, where did all the time go? Like, they're yeah. just not quite, they're just not quite there yet. And I think 
what what Coach Busick was saying back then, I feel like was very astute even then in the third game of the year is that it takes some time to sort of like get the get the get the comfort, get the familiarity, even though it is a lot of the same guys. You add one new face, take one away, take away one familiar face, and all of a sudden it's like a totally different offense that you're running, and they're all just sort of figuring it out still. Yeah, no, I think you hit on a lot of things I agree with. Um, I think the other thing, too, that's just like a real obvious thing, but Luca hadn't been Luca yet. And so when so much – and I think last night's Chicago game really magnified – you know, the Mavericks were really good offensively for two quarters and ten minutes. Uh, the final couple minutes of the third quarter, they sort of hit a wall. And that was kind of about the time where, you know, James was sort of initiating some offense. And, you know, when you, you started Jalen and he was extraordinary, but then if Trey Burke is not going to be a badass off the bench and he was just okay last night, right. Uh, then where was that offense coming from? And uh, so they hit a lull there at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter where everything that was, they were doing just sort of ground down to a halt and you saw a lot of those shots that you were just talking about. So last night, they're not depending on Luca, And I think that was, you know, pretty revelatory about some of their problems before the Chicago game with the fact that Luca has been good, but he hasn't been great. And if this team is going to go beat people, Luca and KP are going to be the ones doing the damage. And what that's going to do is it's going to make life easy for Tim Hardaway Jr. and for Dorian Finney-Smith and for Maxi Kleba and for Josh Richardson and all these guys. And their life has only been easy in one game, and it was the Clipper game, right? And so we're going to see that when Luka becomes what we're accustomed to seeing with Luka. That's what this team is. This team is Luka. It's just like, look, look at what the Rockets have been doing without James Harden. Right. Uh, and, and so if you're dependent on one guy and guys are waiting for that guy to be that guy, then the team's not going to be what the team is. So I really think I'm not blaming Luca, but I'm just saying if you're so dependent on that guy, that guy's got to be that guy. And Luca has not been that guy yet. And he will be that guy. And then I think a lot of these conversations that are being had right now are going to go away and people will start stop saying, blaming everything on Dwight Powell. It's like, what are you people even talking about right now? Like, what is happening, man? Be reasonable here. What are we doing? Uh, so that, that quite frankly, is why the Mavericks aren't what we expected yet. KP's not on the floor, and Luka's been good, but he hasn't been an MVP candidate. And when he becomes an MVP candidate, everyone's going to stop having all these conversations that they're having. And Porzingis should be back soon. We think, right? They yeah. said mid-January. and it was if, they weren't, if they weren't traveling right now, if this was a homestand, I have a feeling we'd be seeing KP this week. Yeah, he's close. Y'all had that the time lapse of him going around the arc shooting all those threes last night. And right when I was thinking, man, this is cool to watch, you said, man, this is cool to watch. It was <laughs> like, dude, you and I, we're bros for life. But We must do a podcast together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they need him back soon. It goes without saying. But in the meantime, you know, I I don't want to like relitigate the whole center thing because I think you and I have talked about it. I've talked about it with machine. Like I've had this conversation with a lot of different people. But you know, without Porzingis, Dwight Powell has been the starter for the last couple of years. But it, the Mavs are pretty pretty transparent about going small or playing like you know three or four wings and one big. And so you're starting a backup basically who's coming back from an Achilles injury 
And we saw it with Wes. We saw it with J.J. Barreo. We've seen it, right? I mean, KD is obviously an extraordinary athlete, but he had seven months longer than Powell to kind of recover from that. And even the Nets have been sort of shaky. I mean, it's like a serious, you know, an Achilles injury is pretty serious. And so it takes some time to kind of um, get back to where you were physically and, you know, comfort-wise, familiarity, rhythm on the court and everything. Um, and so in the same way that Luca isn't quite right, Powell's probably not quite right either. And so that pick and roll is kind of missing from the offense. And, and, and that's, you know, had some adverse effects on things. But kind of everyone is struggling right now. You know, yeah. Maxi Kleb is playing like full-time power forward, which I feel like is a better role for him than playing center. But, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein has had some shaky minutes. Boban has had some shaky minutes. I mean, you know, it's kind of, I, I don't know. Focusing too much on, on one guy's issues is kind of like losing the plot here. I mean, everyone – they're all everyone is struggling right now that that's why the record is what it is yeah every, everyone is struggling and and it's it's not a it's not a problem that's a maverick problem it's a league problem i mean dude we were so excited for christmas day and then we got five crap games like dude there was 10 teams playing that day we got five crap games and we're what a week removed from that a week and a half like there's not that much good basketball being played right now across the league and I realize we're hyper focused on our team and our expectations and I get all that and you don't want to get buried at the beginning of a season that ain't good um but there's not good basketball being played in the NBA right now there's like three or four teams that are playing well consistently and I'm it's real easy for me to sit here and go, well, you should have waited uh, and lose that $1 billion. Like, you know, all right, it sounds good, person. Uh, I, re- I understand recovering <laughs> the money, but the, 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 the games are not good right now. They're just not, and they're probably not going to be good for a couple weeks. And every individual team has to figure out their own problems and get their guys to play better. But this isn't some maverick problem. This is a league problem right now. Yeah, I mean, Brooklyn, who – on December 23rd was everybody's pick after they played one game to go to the finals. They're what, three and five, three and four. Three and four something like that? Yeah. yeah three, I mean, bro, you know. one of the best teams in the NBA right now is the Clippers and we beat them by 50. They're one of the, they're, they're the cream of the crop right now. And they rolled out a 50 point loss. This is not good basketball that's being happening collectively. It'll get there. We're just not there yet. Yeah. One of the interesting things about it is like, I mean, they're, they're, I, I feel like the blowouts have kind of gone down in the last couple of days. It's been slightly more competitive games throughout the league. But, you know, especially right now, while everyone is kind of out of rhythm, with no fans in the building or in some places they only allow a couple thousand or whatever, I feel like games can get out of hand quick. You're not getting yeah. the adrenaline from your fans, especially if you're at home. There's yeah. no fans to yell and scream. And if you're on the road, there's no fans there to taunt you. Like, it's tough to get the fire going. And so it feels like whoever has it that night is just going to like, they're just going to burn and burn and burn and burn. Like nothing will stop anybody yeah. uh, from just turning a game into a total, total route. And uh, that is kind of a new sort of element with that, without 20,000 people screaming to get the juices flowing, that energy has to come from somewhere. And um, some teams, their benches get real rowdy. You know, the, the Mavs bench was really, really into it whenever they beat the Clippers. Some teams just have guys that they bring in off the bench that are just total, just like 
agents of chaos and that can really kind of shake up a game. Uh, the Mavs have kind of one of those in James Johnson, but you know, you have to, you have to do that. Like every game you have, you have to provide the energy you can't get. And I know that, you know, you're not going to be at your best every day or whatever, but sometimes if everyone is feeling frustrated, you know, like every, the power of positive thinking can sort of help you overcome some of these issues. And we saw it last night, there were a couple possessions, especially in the fourth quarter where the bulls were getting like two and three shots at the rim and just getting, getting offensive rebounds, kicking it out, offensive yeah. rebound. And then finally there'd be a foul and everybody on the Mavs would sort of just like, uh, just kind of like you could just see the frustration and yeah. it is frustrating to give up rebounds, but it's like, I don't know. They just, there needs to be some like type of galvanizing something to, to sort of erase that because you don't want that frustration to fester and turn into just uneasiness and everything. And, and, you know, it, it won't, these are all good guys and everything, but it's kind of the same thing as though at the start of last season, the Mavs lost to the Knicks twice. They were six and five. Everyone was miserable. And then boom, they rattled off a bunch of wins. Like there is a corner out there somewhere that they will turn eventually. But in the meantime, you know, they just got to stick together. got to keep on bringing it every night. And I mean, just, just hope that you can kind of just figure it out. You know, you know, it was an interesting uh, stat that, uh, and I, I can't remember what the what all the numbers were. If it goes back to last year, I think it goes back to last year. But uh, Clark Rowe, the producer of Mavs Live, was showing us some stats of Tim Hardaway Jr. in wins and losses. And it was like, in the losses, his point total was up, but his field goal percentage was down. And I'm like, look, without going in there and looking at games, the first thing you think of is – all right, he's taking uh, lesser quality shots and more of them. And then it becomes this idea of forcing things. And I think the most indicative thing we've seen was Luca. Luca was, you know, and, and, and the Miami game was a great example of it. Like, dude, once that three-pointer went in, he was like, oh, I'm back. And he just started taking every wild-ass three-pointer, which is okay you know, Luca is one of these guys that's going to take and make difficult shots. And Tim Hardaway Jr. is a guy that's going to take and make difficult shots. Where it becomes frustrating is when they're taking difficult shots without rhythm, right? And so, so far this year, they've really kind of collectively lacked rhythm. And so those difficult shots become really frustrating shots to watch where if they have rhythm, even in those misses, you don't get as frustrated with them. And so I just think right now, from a media fan perspective, there's a collective frustration because they're not playing the way that we thought we would see them play. And then obviously they're frustrated as well. I do think it's going to be as simple as the, the ripple effect from Porzingis playing, even if it's 20 to 24 minutes a night, is going to be massive because it just creates so many other opportunities for guys. And, and that's, that's what's lacking right now is good opportunities for guys because there's no Porzingis and Luca's just not fantastic yet. That's all going to fall into place. Realize nobody wants to hear that right now, but that's going to happen. What they can control right now is they can control being a better defensive team and the two games where they absolutely got after it defensively was the Heat game and the Clipper game, and we saw the results of them being able to do that. So their focus right now, quite honestly, 
has to be being more tied together defensively. Bobby, my favorite moment of the year so far was in the Charlotte game. Luca got beat. Maxi came over to help, uh, missed the block shot. His man got the rebound and put it back. And Josh Richardson and Luca were yelling at each other, which is a really good sign because they were mad at each other about rotations and they were getting in each other's, you know, face for the moment, which is what you want to see because they're friends and you want to see friends yelling at each other when they blow assignments. That's a good thing. If I know a lot of people, you know, Oh my God, you see that they were fighting dude. They're, they were frustrated with each other because they hold each other to a high standard. And that's what you want to see. And as soon as they're more tied together defensively, a lot of these other things are going to work themselves out as well. Yeah, I have a question for you. And it's kind of like, it's like the mysteries of the basketball world. And maybe it is true that if your first couple shots are layups, then you're going to have some rhythm. But this is like a league-wide question. When Zach Levine gets it going, like he did last night, mm-hmm. where he's hitting step-back threes and 20-foot pull, like, like everything he's throwing up is going in. Damian Lillard, same thing. You know, there, there are some guys that when they get going, they're shooting it from anywhere, doesn't matter, and it's going to go in. What do you do, Skin? What do you do? And when Kobe White is hitting those st- – I mean, you can, like – you can set great rules, and the Mavs have great rules. They force a lot of tough shots. Now guys are beating them and getting to the rim, and when they get to the rim, bad things are happening so far this season, but they force a lot of the right shots. But when they're going in, what, do, what can you do to, to so knock these guys they- off the rhythm? So what the Mavericks did last night was they started the second half with Dorian Finney-Smith on Zach Levine, and that had an impact. Um, you know, was, hey, you know, great player is going to be great. But that slowed him down. You look at the beginning part of his third quarter, it slowed him down. Two things. One, Dorian's bigger player, right? But two, look at the way that Dorian was picking him up. You know, early in his career, Kobe was looked at as one of the best uh, defensive players in the NBA. And then after a while, he said, nah, I'm not going to do that anymore because I want to go score 65. It, it's impossible to be an amazing two-way player uh, and have the energy to do it a whole game. So this is why teams like having a guy like Pat Beverly. Hey, Pat, you suck on offense. Go just go get in that guy's shorts and don't let him touch the ball. I even saw, you know, I – I get it. Twitter is snarky. I'm snarky on Twitter. I get it. But I saw some people last night on Twitter making fun of Harp saying, well, don't let the guy get the ball. Like, does like, no, trust me. If you've ever played basketball, your coach has told you that, Hey, don't let that guy get the ball, go sell out. And, and it's, 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 it's difficult to do to expend all of your energy to go, try to keep one of the best athletes in the world from getting the ball in the first place. That's that takes that a very concentrated effort, a focused effort, a concerted effort and a ton of energy that you burn. And so, you know, you can be snarky on the outside going, who duh. It's like, dude, coaches tell you that. That's why it's, that's why he's saying it on the broadcast. Pat Riley has told him that don't let that MF or touch the ball. And th- that's a basic fundamental defensive principle and just selling out and being in full denial mode means more than likely you're not going to have much on offense. And so Josh, there's no Luca. The Mavericks needed scoring from Josh Richardson last night. 
So he can't go just pick up Zach Levine full court and deny him the ball. Uh, so, all right, we're going to switch and put Dorian on him. So if, you know, if Michael Jordan wants to go get here, – here, here's the way you do it, Bobby. You put two guys on him, and then you know what happens? It's four on three. So are you willing to just let the other team play four on three to take an elite player out? You know, Nelly used to say this all the time. Great offense is going to beat great defense every single time. And so what can you do? You can try to sell out and you can try to give some other stuff up just to get him out of rhythm. You can also do the 80s thing where you go try to break his leg, but we don't do that anymore. That's not the spirit of competition. That's whack. Um, but that's why it's nice to have guys like Pat Beverly that you don't care what they're going to do on offense because he's just going to get Tony Allen. Tony Allen's a great example. Hey, Tony, go eat that guy. You know, it's like you, you it's good to have guys like that. The closest the Mavericks have to that is Dorian Finney-Smith, and they started the second half, and it had some effect. But, dude, it was Zach Levine's night. Yeah, I mean, some of those shots he was hitting was just – it was just crazy. But it's one of those – and and it's kind of like, too, especially nowadays, I mean, talking about the 80s, like post-up was the, the name of the game back then, but now it's almost like in, in the year 20 and 21, if a guy hits a couple hook shots in a row – you're sort of getting the itch. You're like, all right, double team him. But yeah. then if you send two to a post player, every post player is so skilled nowadays that they'll just beat you with the pass every time. Right. Like it, it maybe wasn't the way, that way in the 90s and the 2000s. If you doubled a guy, they would travel. They would turn it over. They'd cough it up. Right. But now everybody is so skilled. Every player is so talented. All five guys on the floor for every single team that you – it's tough to send two guys to anyone, whether it's a perimeter player or a post-up guy. And it's just – I don't know. You almost have to. I asked uh, Flex Mark Cuban that a couple of years ago. Uh, I was like, "How? What do? What do you think is a, like a good defender? Like, what qualities make a good defender um, statistically more than anything?" And he was like, "It's not really about like field goal percentage allowed or anything like that. It's more about like the shots that you don't allow them to take." Basically, okay, so dude, you just—that's exactly the principle mm-hmm. of what Harp was talking about on the broadcast. It's about trying to not let them working far enough in advance. They can't even get to the spot. Post players do it. Like watch a post player in defensive transition already start body and a guy at midcourt. So he can't get to his spot. It's about that whole concept of denial in the first place, knowing where a guy wants to be. And once that guy gets to the spot, can you send the second defender from a blind spot where they don't expect it? Remember when people would double team Dirk is when he took his first dribble. That's when you go because that's when he's probably not looking. Or it used to be that you never sent a double team baseline. Well, then guys started spinning baselines. So they started sending double teams coming up the baseline. You spin into, oh shit, I spent into a double team. It's all about that sort of element of denial and element of the timing of the surprise to keep people from quote unquote getting to their spots or getting to their favorite shots. Yeah. And that's where, like, that's why I feel like it's always tough to comprehend good defense because when someone's doing whatever they want, of course, that means, well, yeah, the defense has got to be better, but it's kind of tough to see what good defense looks like because it's not always blocks and steals. It's sometimes it is just about like being solid, right. Avoiding breakdowns, dialing up the pressure when you need to, but finding a way to just make the other guy uncomfortable really. And I think that's what has kind of, been the 
at the core of really every discussion about the Mavs defense for the last couple of years now. And what they wanted to avoid doing again this year was rolling out a defense where other guys just get a little comfortable. Rick has talked about it a lot in, in, in their losses last year, especially, you know, the other team would score 125, 130 points, but they'd be a lottery team. And like, well, in the first quarter, you know, we gave up six layups and three wide open threes and they just got into a rhythm. Yeah. You know? And so, and so sometimes it, you just have to come out with more of a kind of this F you sort of in your faceness, um, which of course is much easier to do whenever you have a seven foot three guy playing behind you that will clean up your mistakes. Right. Mavs don't really have anybody else on the roster who can do that sort of thing. Willie is, you know, in theory is going to eventually develop into that guy. But at this point, I think he's still learning about the rules of the system and everything. He's still pretty new um, and, and is kind of prone to committing fouls. And then Maxi is another good shot blocker, but he's playing more power forward than center. I feel like he's a better fit for that more perimeter kind of switchy role than as a rim protector. And so, you know, they're just trying to, they're just, they're trying, they're, they're trying to figure it out, man. But, in, but in the meantime, it, there are going to be some nights whenever Kobe White hits you for 25 points and you're just just really, really mad. Yeah, God, that that shot he hit that gave him 113, I think it was that shot, that little behind-the-back, step-back three on the left he, side of the floor. He almost fell down. That was incredible. He almost slipped. He, he tripped himself up on that play. Yeah, and that, that's, you know, incredible offensive. I mean, dude, there's going to be things that Luca does where two guys on a – Phoenix Suns podcast you're going that stupid shot Luca I mean it's like great players have the ability to do these um, these amazing kind of things and so you know back in the 80s the the heyday of small forward uh scoring whether it was Mark Aguirre Bernard King the two dudes in Denver I mean on and on and on that was the thing do you have a three that can just fill it up Mike Mitchell and San Antonio on and on and on a lot of those guys would try to get to the line early can I get to the line to start the game? And then, you know, you're just sitting there shooting free throws, getting your feel without anybody even bothering you. And it's like, once you, those guys are so talented, once they get that magic feel and just feel like they can do anything, you literally have to punch them in the nads to take them out of that. <laughs> you know, they used to do that. I mean, you shoot a turnaround shot, a guy's elbowing you and you're nuts. I mean, it's like, Jeez. what can I do to get this guy to not feel like he's invincible. And you use the word uncomfortable. That's what it is. Make him uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I think we've just tried to fix the Mavs. I don't know if it worked. They're we'll not see. look, they're they're not playing well. There's a lot of teams that aren't playing well, but I, you know, when I look at what's bothering the team, defense gotta be better. And it's it's more about, you know, being dialed in as well as a, a consistent effort, I guess is maybe the phrase I would use. And that's a focus thing, right? Um, but offensively, I have no worries about this team. Once Luca, I mean, because Luca's better than he's been. We've all seen it. We all expect it. And they're about to get a top twenty offensive player in the league back. That the ripple effect is massive. So what they have to do is they have to be consistent with their defense and rebounding. That's that's what they addressed in the off season. That's what's got to manifest itself out on the court. And the challenge throughout it all, that's kind of, it's the through line for every team in the NBA this season. This isn't unique to the Mavs, but I wasn't joking right off the top. And I was like, there's no rest. You're playing three, four, five games a week. I mean, right. you're playing back-to-backs. You're playing three and four. Like the Heat game in Dallas the other night was their third game in four nights. And they looked 
like they did not want to be on a basketball floor, you know, and that is, you're going to have to just deal with that all season. This and they're not in shape. coming up tonight is the Mavs third and four. And they're not in shape. We talked about Luca being in shape. There's a lot of guys in this league that aren't in shape. There was three preseason games, you know, uh, usually, you know, your schedule months in advance. This is, these are weird times. And so we've seen weird results. I'm not, and the Mavericks are no different than any other team. So it's fair to go, all right, why are the Phoenix Suns five and two? That's fair. All of that is fair. Um, some teams are getting it together faster than other teams. Mavericks got to get it together. But, yep. you know, the, the reaction of, oh my God, we'll never win with this. It's like, Man, how is this different than two months ago? They're a better team. I love Seth Curry, but Josh Richardson is a better fit for this team. They're going to be a better team. It's just they're not there yet. Yeah, and that's the that's going to be the challenge of all of it is that if you're trying, if you're slumping, and a lot of guys are slumping, a lot of guys aren't shooting it the way they want to. Really, nobody on the team is shooting it outside of Maxi the way that they want to, you know, the way that they did last season. You're going through all this stuff and you're hurt and you got guys out and you got guys trying to find their feel, but you have four games this week. It's really tough to kind of, it's tough to get it rolling, you know, yeah. because you're just, oh, you're always tired. You're always defeat. You're always mad. I mean, so it's going to be, it's going to be a frustrating season for a lot of guys, but this is where kind of those intangibles, willpower, team chemistry, resolve, competitive spirit, all that stuff is going to matter because there's going to be a lot, even though the quality is getting a little better, day by day around the league. There's going to be a lot of bad games this season. Yes. A lot of nights where nobody has it on either team. And it's just going to come down to the old, the old cliche, who wants it more, you know, and who's going to find a way to win the game. And that is kind of the, the last, the last level for Luca, right. Yeah. Is to how many times in the, in the two thousands were the entire Mavericks roster, the fans, the coaches, the guys who played on the team in the eighties, nobody cared about the game that night. And then in the fourth quarter, Dirk just hit the I win button. You know, that's just what the, the greatest of the greats do. And that's kind of the last level for Luca is okay. You're playing Charlotte, your home opener, you're down 12 in the fourth quarter. It's time. Like, let's, yeah. let's go, man. You know, that's what the, the best of the best do. And then your supporting cast has to be able to find ways, hit the key shot, timely stop, get a steal, take a charge, just do stuff. They're all kind of figuring it out. And I feel like that's kind of the, that's the direction that they need to take it. Will they get there this year? I have no idea, but that's how you win in the playoffs. And so uh, that's kind of their, that's like their North star. That's where they're, that's what they're trying to achieve, but um, we'll see if they can get there in time. You know what? I'm really curious. Maybe this is our, our rap thought. I'm not looking past Houston. I promise it's important. Uh, but another team that's off to a bad start is the Denver Nuggets. And we see them Thursday and we see them after a couple of days of rest. And so that'll be like a real interesting early season barometer to me is a couple teams that are way behind where they thought they were going to be going head to head on a Thursday night. Mavs will, I'm assuming have Luca back by then. Hell, I might even have him back tonight. Right. So uh, that's, that's a real Im important early season game to me because both of those teams are looking at themselves going, what the hell, man? Why, how come we're not better than we are right now? So that, that could be a really interesting bloodbath style game.
they always play great games, those two teams. So it yeah. should be fun. Yeah. And man, I don't know when we're going to record again, but hopefully whenever that is, KP will already be back by then. Maybe it'll be this week. Who knows? Maybe it'll be next week. But either way, he's back soon. Luke is back soon. And, and hopefully things are things are turning around here pretty soon. Um, any final thoughts, final takes, parting words, parting wishes, anything you uh, want to Im- implore our listeners to do? Uh, I have say, a good day, of course. Always have a good day. Have a great 2021. But I would say, you know, be patient. Um, you know, don't don't uh, don't make such sweeping judgments in week three of an NBA season. We don't even know what the back half of the schedule is. You want to know how <laughs> we weird we this know that, is? We? we know what the first 37 games are. That's it. That's all you know. You don't even know what the hell your schedule is. It's a weird year. Uh, so I think working yourself up into a frenzy on January 4th is is probably ill-advised. Relax. If you need to take a shot of something, do it, do whatever that you need to calm your nerves. But this uh the end of the world stuff is pretty unnecessary, man. It's gonna be a long season. Well, I'm going to go have a shot of water and just nice. really just relax and mellow out skin. Good call. Uh, wise words, as always. Thank you for joining me, my friend. I appreciate it. And thank you out there for listening. If you enjoyed yes. this episode. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. Uh, skin and I are still trying to figure out the back half of our schedule. And so we've uh, we've been recording kind of on, on uh, in, in, infrequently, I would say, this season. But, hey... COVID is doing that to all of us, so it's a, it's a year of adjustments for everybody, not just for the guys on the court. Uh, so hopefully we'll be back with you next week. Yo. In the meantime, there are plenty of other podcasts to check out, including Open Run with Harp and Skins, another great podcast if you haven't listened. Check that out. We'll, and, get, uh, uh, we'll get one going tomorrow on that, Bobby. Ooh, is that true? Yes, that, sir. That's some breaking news. Breaking news, Open Run will hit your ear holes on Tuesday. Oh, my goodness. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Harp has to say about what's going on because as a player who navigated the lockout season in 98-99, like, sometimes uncertainty does weird things to people, especially basketball players. And so it's it's going to be interesting to hear what he has to say. Absolutely, man. Yep. All right. He's Skin. I'm Bobby. This is Numbers on the Boards. We're out. We'll see you next week.